Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Good evening and welcome to Yada Ya. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, Yom Kippurim uh, this evening, Sunday uh, at uh, sunset. Um, we will begin the celebration of Yom Kippurim. Five days later, of course, is, uh, is Sukkah. So, uh, uh, Kirk and Dee, let's, uh, let's chat a little bit about uh, Yom Kippurim and what it, uh, it means. It, it is okay. kind of a melancholy experience um, for me. Uh, uh, you know, we've talked mm-hmm. about Teruah is uh, is my life. Um, it is our lives. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it is all consuming. Uh, we have been in a constant celebration and observation of Teruah now for 22 years, um, with uh, 10 years uh, remaining. Uh, and that is because the purpose of Teruah is really uh, fundamentally to herald Yahweh and Dode's return. Uh, and to speak specifically about Kippurim, uh, because this is the seventh and last chance that Yehudim uh, will have to reconcile their relationship with Yahweh. Uh, any Yisraelite or Yehud, of course, any Goy as well, that has not uh, resolved their relationship with Yahweh, um, consistent with the plan that he has outlined through the five conditions of the covenant, and the seven invitations to meet uh, each year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if, if you miss Kippurim uh, in your 6,000, yeah, which is exactly 10 years from today, then it is mm-hmm. all over. And for those who say, well, you know, I've got 10 years. Well, that's a long time. I can continue to do what I'm doing, and, uh, and we'll just see how, how this thing all progresses over time. Uh, I, I, I have not. some... Yeah, I have some good news and some bad news for you. The good news is that you give up nothing worthwhile and you gain everything uh, valuable mm-hmm. by forming a relationship with Yahweh. So uh, your only regret in doing this tonight versus um, doing it 10 years from now 
is that uh, you will regret that you didn't do it 10 years ago. Uh, that's how much better life is with Yah. The, um, and the second is that for Yehudim, uh, it's apparent that two out of every three, uh, some 10 million Jews are going and to die. Yeah, between yes. uh, now and Kippurim and uh, year 6,000 Yah, which is the 120th Yobel, uh, that is 2033 on our calendar. Um, and that's the good news because by comparison, about 90% or more of Goyim uh, aren't going to make it uh, to this day. And it's not going to be God uh, lashing out or doing anything. This is just what we're going to do to ourselves. We have set the world uh, on a course for world war. Uh, and right. we have set Israel on the course of being, well, never Neville Chamberlain. <laughs> Uh, here yeah. is, uh, and it, it is particularly sad. You know, you hear you had Netanyahu, who uh, gives a speech at the uh, UN uh, yesterday, talking about how uh, uh, peace with Saudi Arabia is uh, essentially inevitable and it's going to happen in the uh, first quarter of next year. Uh, why you would play into a psychopath's hands, I, I just don't know. Um, right. The smarter play would have been to say, uh, yes, there is discussion of, uh, of normalized relations with uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, which would be a good thing. We do not view Saudi Arabia as our enemy, and we can see, uh, as can they, that there would be innumerable advantages in us working together, uh, mutual def defense and, uh, and also in technology and investments. Uh, so we would certainly um, encourage uh, normalized relationships with, uh, with any of our neighbors and particularly with Saudi Arabia. However, um, there is lots of talk about what Israel will be asked to give up. And that is an inappropriate request. Yeah. Um, uh, Saudi Arabia, if they wish to form a relationship with it, that's wonderful, but we'll do so only on, on a mutually beneficial basis, and we won't be dictated to in terms of our survival. So um, you know, Saudi Arabia has lots of land and lots of money. If they uh, feel compelled that they want to take care of the Fakistinians, if that is, that is MBS's uh, goal in life, then uh, he can uh, create a city in Western Arabia and and put them all there and see how well they behave. That's his choice, <laughs> yes. not ours. Uh, the reason I'm a bit melancholy on Yom Kippurim is that uh, it is uh, my retirement party. Um, I have, uh, will have, have that point. I will have invested 32 years in this endeavor calling Yisraelites and uh, Yehudim home to Dode and to Yawa. When Dode arrives, uh, my job will be complete because uh, my mission has been to identify uh, who Dode is and what he accomplished. Um, uh, the fact is that uh, he is the Messiah. The fact is that he is the Son of God. The fact is he is the returning king. Fact is, he's also the Passover lamb. The term that Yahweh uses for that is Zeroah. 
Notice all of these things. He is God's chosen one, his firstborn. And you cannot have a discussion of Kippurim without a discussion of Dode, because Dode is Kippurim. Right. It's not just that Dode is responsible for all seven of the Moed Mikre, because God doesn't do anything alone. And you can be assured that the single most important fulfillments in human history, which are the seven fulfillments of the Moed Mikre, uh, Yahweh would not do independently, but chose to do with his beloved son, Dode, who volunteered for this mission as well. But you see, um, Kippurim for Yahweh and for Dode is a very different experience than was the fulfillment of the first four Moed Mikre. The first four Moed Mikre was a hellish experience for Dode, quite literally. Uh, yeah, he, uh, um, his corporal body uh, in 33 CE, uh, the Romans ripped the skin off and then uh, nailed him to uh, an upright pillar uh, to torture him to death. It was the most excruciating 24 hours that any human had ever experienced. And that was the easy part, because the following day, uh, actually starting that evening, which is the following day, on Matzah, he, his soul accepted the guilt of the covenant family of Yisrael. And he carried that guilt uh, with him into Sheol, where he had deposited it, which is the ideal place for our guilt to vanish. Because it is a lightless realm where nothing escapes. And y'all can't go there. And, yes, so he did this for us, uh, celebrating firstborn children, Bukurim, as Yahweh's firstborn, Bukur, and then was more enriched and empowered than anyone in human history on the promise of seven on Shabuah, sevens, sevens later. This is what he did for us in your 4,000 Yah, and it makes it possible for us to serve as heralds for Dode's return with Yahweh on Yom Kippurim, the Day of Reconciliations. But this day is a very different experience for Dode. He is not proving anything to anybody at this point. He is the Savior of all who will survive Yahweh's return. He is the King for all eternity. He will never have a coup against him again. No one will ever speak against him again. No one will ever question him again. He paid the price to earn everyone's respect that will look up to Yahweh and Dode on that day, Yom Kippurim, October 2nd, 622 p.m. as the sun sets in Jerusalem. For him, it is his triumphant return. He is coming back with his father side by side. He will be as brilliant as the sun when he returns. This is a celebration for him. Everything he wrote about, everything he did, was for this day. And on this day, his first job will be to serve to fulfill the Torah. And the Torah on Yom Kippurim has the high priest, which Dode will be dressed as as he returns, 
anoint the Kippurah, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, which will be restored and will be placed inside of Yahweh's home, which will be reestablished at this very second, likely built out of light. And once Dode anoints the mercy seat, the Kippurah of the Ark of the Covenant, then he and his father can celebrate the ultimate family reunion. Mm-hmm. Now you might say, so, well, isn't that going to be grand? Why are you going to be melancholy? Because I'm going to tell you that there's only going to be a score of people who aren't crying their eyes yeah. out on this day. Even my wife, who is, you know, been on this journey with me now for, what, 12 years. Every time we talk about it, she cries. It, yeah. It's going to be impossible for any Yehud not to cry as they see Dode return and recognize he fulfilled Passover. He's the one that was pierced and that Jews for 2,000 years disregarded. He made the ultimate sacrifice for his people to live and to be exonerated and for a better part of 2,000 years, not a single Jew acknowledged it. And so the, the tears that will be shed for, for having done that to the Son of God, their Messiah, their Savior and King, a very sad experience initially, and it will warm up to being, well, the, the day that Yahweh has looked forward to more than any other. Yeah. So why again melancholy? Because I'm done. I've had a, a purpose for the last 32 years. It's been the greatest joy of my life to serve as, as Dode's herald, to call Yisrael and Yehudim home so that they take advantage of this seventh and last opportunity to reconcile their relationship with Yahweh. And this is it. Um, yes, I will be thrilled with the opportunity to camp out with Yah for all eternity, beginning with Sukkah. And we'll love to see how he's going to redecorate the place. And I'm sure there's going to be a degree of satisfaction that, you know, it's. Um, I'm sure I could have done better, but... You know, all in all, I think I've done a, a pretty darn good job over the past 22 years. It, I don't expect to lighten up. And, <laughs> yeah, has has made it pretty clear that he's going to be pleased with the end result. So, um, you know, I'm not going to have any regrets, but, uh, you know, if I can be personal a bit, it's it's a melancholy experience. This is my, um, this is my retirement. Uh, right. But it's also going to be a bit melancholy knowing that there's no one left to save. There's no one left to awaken. If you survive this day, you will be part of Yahweh's covenant family. You're going to have the Torah placed inside of you. You're going to know Yah, love Yah. There will be no one else after those who gather on this day. Right. So this is, uh, and, and you know, I, I want to also share that <clears throat> there is, um, leading up to this day, uh, it is um, 
obvious from reading what uh, the prophets have to say that uh, I'm going to be uh, Elia's uh, sidekick um, for three years, uh, arriving in Pesach and 2030. It's going to be a hellish time in uh, Israel. Uh, two weeks before we arrive, the a corporeal manifestation of Hasatan is going to arrive. Uh, and you know, if I look at how progressives are responding to judicial reform and besmirching their uh, their uh, elected government uh, in New York while Netanyahu is there, and I and I read almost everything that uh, Haredim have to say. You know, I, I just want to vomit. Oh, how yeah. disgusting it uh, it is, and it's going to get far worse. You know, trusting MBS is going to prove nearly fatal for Israel. Right. So, um, you know, having experienced um, the last three years um, uh, roasting rabbis, uh, you know, you're, you're going to go in and say, good grief, I'm glad that's over. Um, but uh, yeah, I was going to have two witnesses and Jerusalem uh, to combat all of the lies that um, have been spoken here before. So that right, is uh, that is Kippurim. Uh, this is it is Dod and Yahweh's return to reconcile the relationship with Israel, and and there will not be any religious Jews that survive this day. Um, the chickens they twirl over their heads, they they may survive it, but. Uh, there won't be a single rabbi nor a single member of the uh, Herodim uh, sect. Uh, no religious Jews, no no Christians, no Muslims, no Hindus, no uh, progressives. Uh, it'll be a, uh, a fairly um, small cross-section of people because to be part of the covenant and to be there at this day, you'll have to have foregone religion and politics uh, long before this uh, Day occurs, so um, be aware that uh, this is. If you are among the majority of uh, uh, Israelis and are disgusted by the Herodim, uh, then this might be a good time for you to become part of the covenant because God's disgusted by them as well. And if you are a um, a Israelite cares about Yisrael, and you uh, are disgusted by the shrill anti-Israeli voices of the progressives and their vitriol, uh, understand that Yahweh is disgusted by them too. So it might be a good time for to be become part of Yahweh's family. Um, last week we talked about the fact that there had been seven opportunities where Yahweh has reached out and tried to resolve the conflict with uh, humans. And this is the seventh. Um, there will be an opportunity to rebel an eighth time, but there will be no eighth opportunity at reconciliation. Right. So if you guys want to add uh, just your insights to and thoughts uh, before we uh, um, uh, talk about what Yahweh specifically had to say about this day, uh, it would be uh, uh -huh. a wonderful time to do it. 
Well, I, I would like to ask something, if I may, uh, Dee, unless you want to go first. No, I just have one question. Well, I, I just, uh, we have sukkah and a thousand years, and perhaps we'll have some type of role uh, in that. I mean, they are going to raise children and have babies and, and increase right. the population. So perhaps uh, they might be an art teacher and uh, a Torah expert and and Dee. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I do think I do think we will have. Listen, Yahweh values work. Yeah. Um, I'm reading right now about the uh, the Garden of Dod uh, and how he worked that garden with uh, Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh uh-huh. values work. Uh, Dod fulfilled the Moed Mikre. That was absolutely work. This is something God values. So we will all be working throughout eternity. If you don't enjoy work. You would, you're just not going to fit in. So we'll <laughs> all right. have, we'll all have jobs. Yeah. And you know, listen, listen. The the last time things changed for me, I was assigned the job of exposing and condemning Islam. So it was quite a promotion to, <laughs> oh, great. to yeah, to be invited to uh, to witness to yeah, it was prophetic testimony. So. I am certain we'll have uh, enjoyable jobs, and it's not melancholy from that point of view. But you know, imagine uh, right. devoting. Uh, seven days a week, uh, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, uh, uh, not just doing this, but doing it uh, supercharged with uh, Yahweh's spiritual uh, uh, assistance and empowerment. Um, You know, that's a uh, a pretty exciting thing to be doing, and uh, it will will end uh, here at Kaporum. So there'll, there'll be... Listen, I, I, it even appears that, that two things uh, seem to be evident. One is that, um, yeah, well, over a period of time, and it may be uh, um, uh, weeks, uh, is going to want to uh, judge those that, uh, you know, that's it. of those who have died and or who have survived to this day and are not part of the covenant, there'll be one of two outcomes. Their souls will either be exterminated so they cease no penalty, no reward, or if they were among those who were overtly political and religious and led people away from Yahweh, uh, for example, the, the Hashemers that uh, won't even say his name, um, uh, the black suitors, uh, then they're going to be judged and condemned to an eternity in Sheol, uh, which is convenient since they denied that the place even exists. Uh, and Yahweh um, has a track record of doing everything through uh, individuals who are properly prepared uh, to work with him in this regard. So there is a likelihood that uh, we will be um, tasked uh, with that mission, um, uh, but we'll be well supported by Malak. So it, you know, we'll, and listen, there is a sense of satisfaction of holding people accountable so that those that they have abused uh, have a, have a sense of, of closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think from that point on, uh, Kings, uh, uh, have the ability to be, uh, by the very nature of kingship to do what they want to do and to delegate that which they don't want to do. And so it is highly likely that Dode is going to delegate. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be people around him who are going to uh, uh, do the work that he really doesn't 
want to do. And um, he is such an inspiring and an amazing individual. Working for him will be a thrill. Uh, I think that uh, that many of us who have devoted our energy to um, proclaiming who he is and what he's offering, what he has done for us, uh, and proclaiming his return are going to be among the, the people that he chooses to delegate um, tasks through. So there's the possibility we could be doing sure. that too. But uh, you know, also just time is different as we transition beyond this point because at least for those of us who will have chosen uh, covenant prior to fulfillment of the Ruah, uh, which is likely going to take place in 2029 uh, on the first day of the seventh month while the rest of Israel is uh, celebrating uh, Yom Kippurim, uh, excuse me, they're celebrating uh, Rosh Hashanah, we'll be celebrating uh-huh. uh, Teruah. There'll be a wonderful uh, harvest. And so we're going to return as spiritual beings, and as a spiritual being, time uh, is entirely relative. Uh, you can experience a, a moment for a million years or you can experience a million years in a moment uh, so <clears throat> we will be able to take long vacations when we uh, we want to and explore uh, far-reaching galaxies and solar systems and planets and and the like so it's uh, it's going to be a very different experience as we as we move forward Yawa is a seven-dimensional being we are three-dimensional beings uh, stuck in the ordinary flow of time the universe itself is six dimensions with each step uh, upward from three to four, the, the increase in terms of freedom and capability uh, and experience is infinite. And so we're, right. we're looking at, at an infinity multiplied by infinity multiplied by infinity by infinity four times over to get from three to seven dimensions. So it's going to be a really extraordinary experience. And we're inviting you, um, Yahweh is inviting you, Dodo is inviting you to attend. Yes. So to that, uh, something you would like to add, Dee, before we uh, we go on to the uh, the text as Yahweh described this day? I would, actually. I, I wanted to touch on, I've heard some feedback about people feeling that perhaps what we're doing is more offensive to Jews by calling out the shenanigans than it is actually mm-hmm. helpful for them. And I have to tell you, you're wrong. Um, like the chicken you brought up, they believe that this chicken is an atonement offering and and by doing so they're actually rejecting the means to approach Yahweh that Yahweh designated that can save their life. It's important really? to call out this behavior and the Messiah the yeah, it's, lamb re- it's reprehensible. Provided. Yeah, it's reprehensible. Right. You know the lamb when, when, religious, when a religious chicken. person tries to to augment what God said with uh, with stupidity uh, then right. it is it would be irresponsible for us not Correct. to call it out. I, I mean, the ultimate Correct. stupidity. And, and listen, I have no compunction about uh, uh, pulling punches as it relates to rabbinical stupidity. But the rabbis have painted Kippurim as a as a day of of uh, of sacrifice and of self denial, and so. Their, their idea of how to celebrate the ultimate chance at reconciliation with Yahweh is to abase themselves, to deny themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, We're trying that's to help, reprehensible. Not hurt. That's right. like yeah. a father said, all right, you want to uh, uh, re-enter this relationship. 
what I want you to do is harm yourself. Right. Yeah. But, and the more you harm yourself, the more I'll respect you. It's, it's repulsive. It is. So, you know, if somebody thinks that, that we would be more successful if we talked nicely about rabbinical Judaism and didn't uh, uh, condemn it, that we'd be, there'd be more uh, listeners, then the hell with them. God is disgusted by religion. There will be no religious people of any kind that survive his Yom Kippurim return. None. Right. Not, not one. Not from any religion. And yep. God is more disgusted by Judaism than any other. Yes. And so we might as and well also... tell people the truth. That's the problem with religion, is religion offers people false hope. Right. And that's mean. That people make, deprive themselves of their money and of their freedoms, their opportunities, based on the false hope of liars. Right. You know, Why wouldn't you? I'm, a, I'm just finished a long translation of, uh, of Yermaya 23. And throughout it, there's only one thing. God's saying, I, I hate Judaism. Hate with a passion. Yep. So yep. it's something to, to keep in mind. Now, this, this is the, what the Jews would call their high holy days, and they have completely inverted Yahweh's intent. You know, the two times a year that Jews think they're being so damn holy by uh, their observance of, uh, of a Jewish holiday, they are completely wrong. They have taken Passover, which is one day, and they've made mm-hmm. it seven days by completely eliminating. And matzah is the essence of the three-day celebration. Yeah. Passover without matzah is counterproductive. Yeah. Matzah by itself is wonderful. Yeah, right. But matzah, the purpose of matzah is to de-yeast the soul. This is the day that Dode carried the guilt of his people, which is their religious rebellion and political rebellion against God into Sheol. And so if you were to celebrate Passover and you skip over matzah, then your soul becomes immortal, but forever separated from Yahweh because you retain all your guilt. It's a really, really horrible option. And that's precisely what rabbinic Judaism does. And, and then on Yom Kippurim, which is the final chance at reconciliation, which every aspect of this is about, uh, is family reunion. They turn it into a time of, of abasement, of affliction. The antithesis of what God wants. And let's not even talk about the money they make at the expense of Jews. That's what oh, they well, do. Right. Sure. Rabbis, rabbis are the yeah. highest paid clergy in the world. Uh, right. It's just a money-grubbing, disgusting uh, right. cult. And uh, they deprive their people of every possible opportunity and control their lives. And God knows it. 
and he's going to hold them accountable. The very shield they deny is where they're going to spend eternity. And we need eternity. to hear now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they've actually so put their people in a, in a shield. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then Yahweh declared the word, the bar, to Moshe, the one who draws out. Ach, which means exclusively. During the 10th of the seventh month is Yom Kippurim. ha ze yom ha Kippurim. Now, Jews will tell you, no, it's Yom Kippur. No, it isn't. Not according mm-hmm. to Yahweh. It's his holiday. It's his invitation. He always writes it, it as Kippurim. Plural. I mean, everybody knows. What's the YM ending mean in Hebrew? Plural. 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 So it's not the day of reconciliation. It's the day of reconciliations. Plural. Why is that the case? Several reasons. One is, this is the day that Yahweh tells us that he is going to reconcile his relationship with Yisrael and Yahudah, but also that Yisrael and Yahudah are going to be reunited. And there will be thousands of Yisraelites and Goyim and, and Yahudim that are all going to be celebrating this family reunion. Reconciliations. This exists as a Kodesh, set apart and special, Mikra, invitation to be called out and meet, a time to read and recite, an opportunity to proclaim the name, a day to be welcomed, for you all to approach, La'atem. God has declared a very special day on your behalf. And so you, as a religious Jew, have so little regard for him that you say, oh, well, if God made this day for us, he must want us to abuse ourselves. This is the day to afflict ourselves. But is your God Satan? I mean, seriously. No, it has to be. It has to be. So, and if God says that this day is special and that this day is for you all to approach, that it is a, wouldn't you think that somebody would look up and say, huh, Mikra, it's from (laughs) Ma, or me, Kara. Kara is one of the most common verbs in Hebrew. And the, either the mah or the mi uh, that precedes it's an interrogatory. In this case, it's, it's my. Mm-hmm. Preceding kara, the verb. So it means to ponder the implications of kara, which is mm-hmm. to be invited, to be summoned. But, but the invitation is coming from God Almighty. You might want to pay attention. Yeah, like to read and recite. <laughs> to meet and to be welcomed. 
and also to be called out, which means called away from religion and politics. That is kara, and it is mikra in the singular. Oh, and by the way, what's the the beginning of this? I, I recall Yahweh. If you're not willing to acknowledge Yahweh's name, which would be 100% of religious Jews for the past 2,000 years, if you're not willing to acknowledge Yahweh's name, to uh, love Yahweh's name, to respect Yahweh's name, to speak and proclaim Yahweh's name as one would do on a mikra, Mm-hmm. then you're not going to be among those who will celebrate this day. There is no one verse. who does not know and use Yahweh's name who will spend eternity with God in heaven. 100% of those who will become part of the covenant family and enjoy an eternity camping out with Yahweh know and acknowledge Yahweh's name. And don't pretend that Nobody knows how to pronounce it. Four letters, all four <laughs> vowels. Very easy. There are countless Hebrew words with a, a yod, a he, and a wa. And you're able to pronounce every one of them. Do you think that, you're, that Jews are stumbling over how to say Torah? No. Well, where does the ah come from if it's not the he? Where does the o come from if it's not the wa? You think Jews are having trouble saying shalom? Nope. Where does that O sound come from? Can, wow. can, can somebody who speaks Hebrew not make the connection when God says, I am who I am? And Hiya. the verb is Haya? And he tells you Hiya. that's the basis of my name, and it's Haya? And you can't figure out Therefore, that it's Yahweh? It's not difficult. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's just not difficult. It's obvious. And so this is another example of religious Jews, particularly the leaders of Judaism, rabbis, of deliberately and knowingly lying to the brethren. Why would they do that about something this important? Because if Jews had not denied Yahweh's name, there would have been no Christianity and no Islam. Right. Those denying Yahweh's name made it possible for those two religions that have been so hellacious against Jews possible. There's no Allah, and there is no Jesus Christ. Had Jews just maintained a knowledge and and spoke about Yahweh. So, here's the first statement. Then Yahweh declared the word to Moshe exclusively during the tenth of the seventh month is the day of reconciliations. This exists as a set-apart and special invitation to be called out and meet for you all to approach. Kippurim. It is from Kippur, uh, and Kippur is from the verb kafar, 
which means to make reconciliation by purging and covering. Pardons and forgiveness is what it speaks of. Any words in that that uh, you'd like to uh, expound on based on the letters, uh, uh, Kirk or Dee, or we're going to move on to Yahweh's uh, next statement? Well, they're all, they're all very simple letters, and they all mean exactly what you see there. A kafar, for instance, has a hand uh, that uh, increases uh, by words, and a uh, roach, those who are uh, concentrate are, are or shamaring, or for lack of, I know it's not I-N-G in there, but those who are listening, shamar and shamar, mm-hmm. concentrate, uh, carefully consider uh, Yah's words. So um, even the letters in the simplest form of symbolism uh, tells you the mm-hmm. same story, but lexicons, you cannot, mm-hmm. I spent, I didn't find anything, I, I, if, if people question your translations, and I've been doing this now for 16 years, uh, I, you just see, you just ain't you ain't reading the same lexicons I am. It, it says yeah, it, but it's, it's not just the lexicons. But once they found the um, uh, that lead oh, tablet, oh. Um, mm-hmm. and it was scribed mm-hmm. with the Paleo Hebrew letters, uh, carrying the message uh, dated to the time of the conclusion of the uh, the Exodus. Okay. Uh, at that point, yeah. it became game over for anyone to question the. Um, proper rendering of Hebrew words because you can go to the original letters. Uh, the uh, calf, for example, is the palm of an open hand. Mm-hmm. This is someone trying to reach out to you, trying to offer you something. Mm-hmm. It's a marvelous symbol. It's a greeting. So it's a welcoming, a greeting, uh, an offer of something valuable and an open hand to lift you up. The pay is yeah. is a uh, is a mouth. No. Where words come from? This is when Yahweh said yeah. uh, he spoke to the uh, to Moshe is words. Mm-hmm. The Rosh. I love that. Uh, yeah, is yeah. a uh, is a is an individual uh, with eyes and an ears and a mind that is observant, who is listening to Yahweh, and is able to understand what God is saying. Kapoor. Now add, add one more thing though. You go go to Kapareth and then you put the tall at the end, which uh, is the signpost along the way, telling you what the action is. Not only are they looking at, but they're looking at something very specific: the uh, roadway home, um, and all the and all that comes with that. So it, it's pretty phenomenal stuff to me. I mean, I never get tired of it. So if we look at the timing here, this is the seventh month uh, is the time of promise. uh, In Hebrew, the zane, which is the plow, uh, is the symbol for for seven. Uh, It speaks of creating a a division, a separation, of preparing the soil, of of making it receptive to to new growth. Literally drawing a line in the sand um, is the zane. And this is the tenth day of that seventh month. Ten just happens to be the yod, which is Yahweh's uh, arm reaching down and out to us with an open hand. Uh, these are um, are very clear symbols of what God's trying to communicate. 
Kapoor is used uh, eight times, uh, always in the plural form as Kapuram. Uh, it is based upon the verbal root kafar, which is to make reconciliation by purging and covering. This indicates that by purging us of the residue of religious corruption, we are cleansed, cleansed of its stain and stigma. Uh, then we can be covered in Yahweh's light, coming to appear perfect in God's eyes. And of course, because of what Dode did on matzah for those who have accepted this, he carried away our guilt. I uh, carried it into Sheol where he left it, which means it's invisible. And if there is uh, no guilt, we are perfect in God's eyes. God's next statement reads as follows. When Moshe, uh, this is actually from uh, uh, Bob Midbar, I should say, as opposed to following in that same line of, uh, of thinking. But what I wanted to hear is to say that there is a, another way to help us better understand what Kippurim means and how it's related to Kippurath. We were talking about the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Well, it is um, Kippurath based on exactly this same verb. So it reads, when Moshe went into the radiant tent, the O.L., of the eternal witness to the restoring appointments, that is Moed, uh, to speak with Yahweh, the voice speaking to him from above, the kaporeth, the mercy seat, which was beneficially associated with the ark of the enduring and restoring testimony for the purpose of making connections to understand the two cherubim speaking with him. So the reason I, I took that little uh, detour uh, from God's explanation of of Yom Kippurim is that the operative phrase beyond, of course, uh, Mikra is what does uh, Kafar and therefore Kippurim mean? Mm -hmm. And the moment you identify it with the Kippurim, which is based on the same verb, which is the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, which God associates by saying, this is the central focus of this day. So this day is observed by anointing that mercy seat, the Kippurath. And if it is a mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, then it's for damn sure that Yom Kippur, to use the, the religious term cannot be a day of affliction. One does not afflict those that they are giving mercy to. So that connection is extremely important. And by the way, this time Yahweh is associating it with Moed. Moed is a, uh, again, one of these compound words with Ma meaning to, to contemplate the implications of Ed. And Ed in Hebrew means uh, eternal, witness, testimony, and to restore. So it is the eternal witness to the restoring testimony. Wow. He also, that uh, for a little identification here, 
when Moshe went mm-hmm. into the tent of the eternal uh, witness and restoring uh, testimony uh, to speak with Yahweh, the voice that, uh, that addressed him came from above the Kaporeth mercy right. seat, which is exactly what's going to happen on the fulfillment of, uh, of Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yad on the 120th Yobel when he returns with Dod is that he's going to return above the mercy seat because all of those who are there to greet him on this day will be received and they will receive great compassion and love. All right, now that we we know what Yom Kippurim means, this is the next Mm -hmm. thing that God had to say about it. Then Yahweh declared the word to Moshe, saying, exclusively, during the tenth of the seventh month is the day of reconciliations. This exists as a set-apart and special invitation to be called out and meet. Then your soul, your consciousness, should respond and appear before the feminine manifestation of the fiery light to approach Yahweh. Now, that's not how it reads if you were to look it up in a uh, uh, JPS. Uh, They don't translate nefesh as soul. They would say, then your person or a person. But that's not what nefesh means. God has lots of words for man, woman, individual, uh, mortal uh, person. Uh, I mean, there's like five different words for, for man. Nefesh is soul. It's, uh, it speaks of consciousness. That's your ability to observe what's around you and respond appropriately. All animals have a nefesh. The nefesh is the only part of us that's capable of being eternal. So the nefesh can be destroyed if you do not know God. It can be sent to Sheol if you lead people away from God. Or it can spend an eternity in Shamaim and the spiritual realm with God. And so it is your soul that matters at this moment. Your physical body is meaningless. Then your soul should respond. Anah is, a, uh, is one of the more interesting Hebrew words. Um, uh, the religious will translate anah, uh, then you should afflict. And while anah can be rendered afflict, a base, uh, humiliate, uh, humble, and it does have in some of the Moed an interesting insight that it provides. Uh, 90 plus percentage of the time that Anah is used in the text of the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, it means to reply, to answer, uh, or to respond. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's exceedingly easy to figure out which one of those. God just said this was a Mikra, which means it's an invitation. What do you do right. when somebody hands you an invitation to an event that is designed to be merciful uh, for your soul? Do you afflict that individual? Do you go into Hardly. affliction mode? 
or do you simply respond and say, thank you, I'll be there? You invited yeah. me to a party. You've get, thrown this party for my benefit, and all you're asking me to do is a nah. Respond. And so there's no one that studies the Hebrew text that doesn't know that that's the primary meaning of anah, that it's used throughout the Moed Mikre because they're, they're all invitations to meet with God, to be called out. Yes. And so with an invitation, you RSVP, you reply, you answer it, you respond to it, well, if you want your soul to live. Now, the next word, karab. Um, karab is an exceedingly easy word in Hebrew to translate. It's just like anah. Uh, you know, anah means to reply, to answer, uh, to respond. It, take five minutes and, and look it up online. It's, it's not difficult. Uh, karab is another exceedingly easy term. It means to appear before, to draw close, to come near. That's all it means. It doesn't mean to offer a present. It doesn't mean to offer a gift. It doesn't mean to do anything other than to draw near. So why would somebody knowingly misrepresent those two words? On this day that Yahweh says is he is inviting us to attend something that is specifically designed, associated with the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. It's tragic. Yes. And it's deliberate. All right, so the next word, Isha. Now, I'm going to tell you, Isha is not particularly easy, although it, it shouldn't be all that difficult. Uh, Isha is, uh, is somehow rendered, uh, um, in most translations, um, uh, burnt offering. Um, but that's not what these words mean. Isha is either means female individual, or it means uh, fiery light, but Ish is the masculine version of fiery light. So when Yahweh appeared on the top of Mount uh, Choreb, when uh, uh, he uh, uh, first uh, appeared before Moshe, uh, when you have this uh, column of, of fire uh, during the uh, the night, this the, the word that Yahweh uses is ish, means fire. But as in most words in Hebrew, there's a masculine and feminine variation of them and isha is feminine fire feminine light and uh just as ish is man person individual masculine isha is person feminine woman so with isha ishe you have two options. Uh, both require um, a feminine perspective. So it's either 
a feminine manifestation of, of a fiery light, or it's a feminine individual as in, uh, that is Isha. Uh, and to render it any other way would be inappropriate. Uh, La is to approach and draw near. Yahweh is God's one and only name. So this exists as a special invitation to be called out and meet for you to approach. Then your soul should respond, Ana, and appear before Kareb, Isha, the feminine manifestation of the fiery light, to approach Yahweh. Now, there are so many uh, options as to what Isha means, and and heretofore I've always uh, presented Isha because of what God says next, is the set-apart spirit. Uh, she is Yahweh's uh, feminine side. Uh, she is the mother to the father. Um, yeah. She has all maternal responsibilities, and Ruach is a feminine noun. But there is another possibility, and, and that is that Dode, who is the one who made the sacrifices that enable us to be part of the covenant family, is routinely stated by Yahweh that he is going to come back as light. Right. Yeah. But then he's you say, wait a, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's a dude, and this is Isha. Now maybe you want to look up uh, Nefesh and your Hebrew lexicon. Is nefesh masculine or feminine? Feminine. Feminine, right? So it's interesting. When when Dode speaks of his involvement fulfilling the moed, he always leaves out masculine. So he'll speak, it's either first person singular, no reference to gender, or he will uh, uh, um, speak in, he often speaks of himself in third person as well. Again, the giveaway is always when he's speaking of his role fulfilling the Mikra, he always leaves out the gender or he specifically states that it will be his soul. Because he is a dude, man, but yet his soul is feminine. And since Dode fulfilled Matzah and Pesach, that make it possible for us to enjoy reconciliations, Kapoor, he's coming back uh, as, as, um, with his soul. And it is his soul that is uh, imbued with light. And so this can very much be Dode's soul. It makes sense to me. So... Uh, either of those are uh, are possibilities. It doesn't say it offer says, a gift uh, or a burnt offering or anything of that nature. Those things are not shared. Go ahead, Dee. It's just interesting when you say that it talks about appearing before the, man, the feminine manifestation to approach Yahweh, and Dode yes. facilitates our approach, hundred percent. Uh, without mm-hmm. Dode, we uh, none of us can approach uh, God. We. For us to be called out of this world 
and be invited into Yahweh's covenant family, we have to be beneficiaries of Pesach, yeah. Matzah, and Bokorum, and ultimately mm-hmm. Shavuot, because you'll have to be enriched and empowered to survive in God's presence and to be a contributor in God's presence. So you have to become immortal, Pesach. You have to become perfected, Matzah. You have to be adopted, Bokorum. Then you have to be enriched and empowered, liberated in time, emancipated as well, uh, Shabuah. So it is, it's an essential aspect of this. When Yahweh said, you know, there's five conditions of the covenant, and the second one is after you walk away from uh, Babel, uh, your country and your religion, uh, the family of man and human uh, customs, he says, walk to me and become perfect. Become perfected. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the entire process of, of Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim. That's why it's such a tragedy that in Judaism, matzah is omitted. Because that's the day that we are perfected so that we can enter God's company. Mm-hmm. This is the path to do that. And Dode is the one who provided it. Oh, and, and Dode did this for a whole lot of reasons, but one of them is he knew that... Uh, that shepherding Jews is a tough job. And you don't get better than, than Moshe, and he couldn't do it. I mean, he, they turned on him every which way. Yeah, that's true. And you just don't get better than Moshe. And so don't recognize that to earn these people's respect, you're going to have to do something extraordinary. Uh, saving them from... Being slaves in Egypt wasn't enough. So saving them from themselves, yeah, that's a tall order, and that's what Doe did. So it, this is about coming into uh, the presence of Doe's soul through the, uh, the set-apart spirit, the Ruach Kodesh. And by the way, the, at, at this point, the Ruach Kodesh, the set-apart spirit, and Doe's Nefesh, are going to be essentially uh, inseparable. The, um, Yahweh mm-hmm. says that the Ruach Kodesh came upon uh, Dode and never left him. It came upon him in a very robust way, which is part of it's what really makes him... So this is a, a, a very clear um, presentation of what God intends for this day. Um, and again, uh, amazing that people would, uh, would choose to, uh, to mess this up. Uh, yeah. This is what he says next. To fully, well, this is actually something that uh, that I wanted to share just as it relates to Isha, because it's Isha is an important term to figure out it. And, you know, this, this whole idea that we're talking about here, how did we go about rendering um, uh, these words so that we understand specifically what God is asking? Uh, this statement of Isha in Shemoth 29, that'd be Exodus 29:18, is really uh, quite telling. It says, Qatar, burn the entire lamb, the Al, on the altar. It rises up toward Yahweh as 
the spirit of soothing acceptance, Riach. The maternal manifestation of the fiery light, Isha, serves as a counselor, reconciling (laughs) you so that you are acceptable to approach Yahweh. That's that's a pretty clear understanding of what Isha is in this context. You got the (laughs) fire, you got the lamb, you got this this spiritual acceptance, and it's that maternal manifestation of the fiery light that provides this counseling, this reconciling acceptance. Nihilak. Yeah, to approach Awa. It's one of the ways that we've gone about translating the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms uh, for the 30 volumes that comprise now the Yada Yawa series is that um, almost all nouns in Hebrew have a verbal root. And the actionable component of those words, and, and really in every ancient language, will define those words. And so we look at the verbs and what the verbs mean, and we'll also look at what the letters convey of those words, since they were all very graphic and the pictures that they painted. But the other thing we'll do is, how does God use these words? And is there a way to have a consistent application of these words, recognizing that sometimes the words are like ana? Because ana is a really interesting term, and it's used uh, even in Pesach and Matzah, where Dod allowed his body, his basar, and his nefesh soul to be afflicted so that we could answer this invitation and not have our souls afflicted. So there are words like this that have a dark and light side that mm-hmm. paint a more complete picture of what God is saying. And so you look at how God's used the term in the past, and it will direct us to translate it more effectively. Yeah. And then the other thing that we'll typically do is that and um, if you really want to understand what God said, that one of the first things you have to do is uh, get rid of the implications of the diacritical markings that were added in the uh, the 10th and 11th uh, centuries, uh, because there was no never any need for them. Uh, the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, five of them are vowels, so you don't need diacritical markings to know how to pronounce uh, the words. That's why in modern Hebrew there is no there are no uh, diacritical markings. That they are superfluous. There are five vowels and and uh, uh, 17 consonants among the 22 letters. And so uh, each can be uh, uh, pronounced, but um, you have to look past the diacritical markings and look at each word that's written with those same letters. And then also understand when there's a compound being used like Bikra, my ponder the implications mm-hmm. of Kara. Um, so so there's, there's lots of, of techniques that help you do this. So then reading from Kara, Leviticus 23, uh, 27, it reads, by the way, Kara should be a first clue. So the Mikra are presented in a book named Kara. 
Then Yahweh declared the word to Moshe, saying exclusively during the tenth of the seventh month, and I'm repeating this because context is important, uh, is yep. the day of reconciliations. This exists as a set-apart and special invitation to be called out and meet for you to approach. Then your souls should respond and appear before the feminine manifestation of the fiery light to approach Yahweh. So, God says, do not perform any of the service of the spiritual messenger, Malaka, of the duties of the heavenly representative, the spiritual counselor, and the maternal envoy. So this is a very adroit tie-in to what we just read about the Isha. During this life-sustaining and essential day. So Kapuram gets the same Estem designation that Matzah gets. Essential. Um, life-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Indeed, the day of reconciliations, Yom Kippurim, is to make amends, to pardon, and to forgive. Reconciling the relationship. Kafar. Now, if someone would say, well, I'm not sure that kafar is the verb that explains kaporam, well, then your argument is with God, because that's what he just said. <laughs> For you all, before the appearance and the presence, la pene, of Yahweh, your God. Yahweh has not appeared to any more than one at a time, Yehudim or Yisraelite, since the early part of the Exodus. When Yehudim said, don't ever do that again, we don't want to see your fiery light, we don't want to hear your voice, uh, you know, speak to us through Moshe, because, you know, it's, we just don't want to be intimidated this way. You're, uh, you're, too, you're too loud, you're too flashy, too bright, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, or they were too corrupt and, and just didn't like uh, having Yahweh see them as they were. Uh, but nonetheless, they uh, said, nope, and that was it. You know, God revealed himself to certain individuals. Um, you know, uh, Moshe clearly saw him one on one, spent time with him one on one. Dod uh, did, Yashaya uh, did, uh, Shamuel uh, did. Uh, a number of people have had that that um, opportunity we have as well um, and so do you um, yep. you can see Yahweh most clearly when you read yes, his word. testimony and you do so with an open mind and you examine the words that he conveyed to paint a picture of himself he is more uh, clearly represented in his words than in any other place or way so you have the same opportunity. So here is, uh, is God adding some thoughts to what he said. So do not perform any of the service of the spiritual messenger, the Malaka. So why did we come up with uh, um, that when, uh, when uh, the Hebrew text would say, you know, don't do any ordinary work? Well, uh, Asha one of the most common Hebrew verbs means to engage, to act, to work. It is to perform. 
And uh, Malak here is, which would be the, the root before it turns feminine. Malaka is the feminine version of Malak. But a Malak is also a very common Hebrew word. It's a messenger, a counselor, um, an envoy, a representative. They are spiritual beings, the Malak. So this says, do not perform any of the, and it would be Malak, service of the spiritual messenger, but feminine. So this is a maternal envoy. So we're still dealing with this, this influence of the Isha, this feminine influence on this day. And then God calls this day a stem. It's essential. Mm-hmm. Part of your backbone, which the religious need one. The day of reconciliation, Yom Kippur, Kippurim, I'm sorry, is Kafar. It's a day to make amends, a day to forgive, a day to reconcile the relationship, to release from guilt. This is the seventh of seven opportunities that Yahweh has offered to resolve the conflict of religion and politics that have separated him from his people. It is for you all, al-atem, the plural of you, before the appearance and in the presence of Yahweh. This is the day that Yahweh returns. He has not been seen by his people, with the rare exceptions of those people I named, for now 3,450 years. That's a long time. But Yom Kippurim is about the day that Yahweh appears, and you can be in his presence. So do you think that God wants to afflict his children? That he wants to abase them on the day that he's returning? Is your God satanic? Is your God demonic? Is your God like a rabbi? This is the day of forgiveness. This is the day of, of ransoming and reconciling, of liberating before the presence of Yahweh. I don't see anything here that would tell me that we should be afflicting ourselves and that uh, twirling chickens is the right way to address this time. Certainly not. Truthfully, any soul, ha-nefesh. So it's key Indeed, surely, actual, emphasizing this point. Kol, any, every, nefesh, soul. Asher, which by association does not answer and respond. La ana, does not reply, making a declaration. During this life sustaining and essential, estem day, Yom. That soul shall be cut off and either eliminated or separated being from being with its family. 
So there you are. If uh, you're not going to be among those who are going to be celebrating this day, this is the last opportunity to reconcile your relationship with Yahweh and spend eternity with him and Shamaim as part of his family. And God's making it really clear. The soul that doesn't respond to this day as he has articulated it, not as the religious have convoluted it, that they will be cut off, separated, severed, karat. And in this case, it is karat from being with the family. Well, there are only two ways to be um, karat from the God's people. One is to be separated, and the other is to be uh, cut off, uprooted, become lifeless. And those are the two options. You know, there's three options for uh, human souls. They either are uh, cut down to nothing, uprooted such they shrivel up and cease to exist. They are separated, which means they go to the place of separation, which is Sheol, which is an eternal penalty. That's for having misled God's people. Or they are cut into the relationship uh, like you would cut an agreement in uh, in business Mm -hmm. and they spend eternity (laughs) with Yahweh. But in this particular case, Yahweh says, if you don't avail yourself of this reconciling event that I've provided for you, then there is no hope for you. There's only bad options. So God's not condemning anyone here. Right. God is just saying, it's up to you. I have issued you an invitation. My son allowed his corporeal body to be tormented and, and mutilated to fulfill Pesach, to give you life. He volunteered to have his nephesh soul carry your guilt into Sheol and to deposit it there and spent matzah and Sheol. But if you're not going to capitalize on, on these invitations to, to have you your soul you. perfected, and you're not going to uh, attend the Day of Reconciliation, you don't want to say my name. You don't want to acknowledge that my son Dode did this for you. That's your choice. But understand, you're not going to spend any time with us. You're done. That's the answer. You, God has given you a wonderful gift, he and his son. You can accept it and be appreciative and acknowledge what they have done, capitalize on it, or you can do what religious Jews have done for thousands of years which is to reject what God is offering and antagonize him. Those are your options. You now know the consequence of those choices. Would you like to add anything to uh, to that? Because that's pretty stark. No, that's, uh, it's unfathomable to me. Of course, I've had 16 years yeah. of this. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's yeah. an easy choice for me to make. Mm-hmm. And any soul, which by association, continue, uh, continually attempts to perform any part of the work of the Malaka, the spiritual counselor and maternal messenger, 
this on this life-sustaining and essential day. That specific and individual soul I will eliminate such that it ceases to exist from being around the family, striving against the community of living souls. This is Kara called out Leviticus 23.30. God's pretty serious about the Malacca. Malacca has a role, and it isn't ours. You know, um, I know what my role is. My role is to serve as a herald to Dode's return and as a witness to Yahweh's prophetic testimony so that his people come to know who he is, what he's offering, and what he expects in return so that they understand the purpose of each of the seven Moed Mikre, they understand the five conditions of the covenant, so that they know that it is in their interest to jettison the relationship with a, a political party or a religious uh, cult. That's my job. I'm not here to save anybody. I'm not going to do the work that Dode did with his soul. No, I'm not going to do the work of the set-apart spirit. That's not my job. I, right. I couldn't do it if I wanted to do it, and I don't want to do it. Right. They already did it. My job is to tell you about it. But, you know, a, a rabbi will claim, you know, they can give you all sorts Absolutely. of uh, blessings. You can go pay a rabbi, and he will provide a blessing for you. God says, you know, if you're going to play that game, if you're going to pretend that you're the one that is offering this benefit, this blessing, if you're the one who has done what was required to reconcile this relationship, the hell with you. Because I can assure you, you weren't there to do it. Your relationship with me can be reconciled because of what we have done, and we would include Yahweh, the Ruach Kodesh, and Dode. And so we can't claim anything other than this is what God said. You'd be wise to take advantage of it. This is what he said. This is what, he, what it means. This is how you should respond. So we know our role, and we know what we should not be doing. We're not like the, uh, the uh, priest at the confessional. We don't forgive anybody. Oh, I hear the religious people say all the time, well, I forgive them. Well, no, you don't. So what? Yeah. You have no ability to forgive. Above the pay what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I can't forgive someone. It's not, you know, that's Yahweh and Dode and the set-apart spirit working together through the Moed Mikre. This is how that happens. So if you want to take advantage of it, They've made this offer to you. Our role is simply to tell you about it and to tell you what things get in the way of people understanding these things and and, uh, capitalizing upon them. Do not consistently or habitually attempt to perform the work pertaining to anything associated with the Malacca. This is an eternal and everlasting olam, clearly communicated and inscribed prescription for living, chuka, throughout your generations in every situation and dwelling place, throughout all time. 
doesn't sound like uh, God's going to say, no, uh, this uh, only matters until the temple is gone. Then you can change it. Write up a, a whole workaround in the Talmud. No, that's not what it says. It certainly doesn't say until Jesus comes. And then he can renege on all of them. Yeah. No. It doesn't say until the pedophile that uh, is, uh, is a covetous, warmongering terrorist uh, embarrasses himself by claiming that he is the messenger of God. No. That's not what it says. It says forever. This is something that Yahweh has scribed and communicated to us as a prescription for living forever. I don't think that means he's going to change his mind, does it? No. No. It is for you a Shabbaton, an empowering and enriching expression of everything associated with the promise of seven. A Shabbat observance, a seventh day to celebrate with God. And so your soul should reply by answering the summons and making a declaration. During the ninth of the month, in the evening, from sundown until sunset, you should consistently observe, closely examine, and carefully consider your association with the Shabbat. So this is all leading up to this day. God said, listen, this is the last opportunity. There are no more tomorrows. So perhaps before I return with Dode, you ought to take some time out and focus on what I'm saying here. Maybe this would be a really good time to make sure you know the right answer. Because if you get this wrong, it's over. Now, there is this myth in religious Judaism that the Shabbat is a day to do nothing. It's a day to impose, well, except to impose about a thousand laws as to how you have to do nothing to make it the least productive and least valuable and most onerous day of the week. Now, they have turned the Shabbat into torture. Oh, yeah. But Yahweh speaks of the Shabbat as something that he celebrates. Uh, Shabbat is a verb. Mm -hmm. And so it's a time of celebrating the relationship. It's a time of celebrating all of the beautiful things that surround us in life. It's a time to celebrate days like Kippurim, where where we have this association of the seven and and God's promise in the seventh month and everything that pertains to seven because we're at the cusp of beginning the seventh millennia of of human existence. And so God says, this is a Shabbaton, which means to celebrate everything Uh, associated with the expression of seven and the promise of the Shabbat. It's a Shabbat observance. 
a, a seventh day to celebrate with God. And so your souls should respond, should reply, should ana, make a declaration. During the ninth of the month, the day before, in the evening, from sundown to sunset, you should be very, very observant. Closely examining and carefully considering your association with the Shabbat. Are you going to be there during the millennial celebration of Shabbat? Now, Sukkah will be celebrated as the, the seventh day for a thousand years. Are you going to be there? Are you going to capitalize on this Shabbaton, on this invitation to be called out and be with God? That's what he's asking. I think it's a pretty good place for us to say as uh, we're down to our final 30 seconds of the broadcast portion of this program, we still have the archives that uh, will follow. But mm-hmm. what a marvelous uh, conclusion. Then this, this is God's announcement regarding mm-hmm. this day. This is, this is it. This is the, the last of the second chances, if you will. That's what God says on this, the ninth day. You better come to understand what's going on. Now, I want to speak a little bit about what uh, uh, what God has in store for this day, um, because that's presented in the 31st chapter of uh, Yirmiyah. Uh, matter of fact, most of, uh, of the prophet Zechariah focuses on this particular day as well. And Yashiah, Isaiah, um, has uh, an enormous amount of material uh, telling us about this particular day. This day... Yom Kippurim is one of those days that if you, if you mind everything that God has to say to us and examine this wonderful treasure, uh, you could write an entire volume just on Yom Kippurim. I, I think that the, uh, the Moedim volume of, uh, of, of the Yadiyah yeah, series is just uh, Yom Kippurim and Sukkah, and Yom Kippur, uh, it, Kippurim takes up three quarters of the book and I think it's like 750 pages and I am certain that I did not cover it all. So this is this is a day Yahweh has a lot to say about. So I, wanna, I just want to in the time that we're still recording even though we're no longer okay. broadcasting to talk about what God said is going to occur this day. Uh, it's in Yermagah 31 and he says the first thing that you should know is, is this day is for Yisrael and Yehuda. Now, there will be some goyim that will be there um, celebrating Dode's return with Yahweh. But this day is to reconcile the relationship between Yisrael and Yehudim. That, that split occurred uh, during uh, Solomon's uh, time, or immediately after Solomon, uh, Dode's son. So it's, the split has been ongoing for 3,000 years. And ultimately, Yisrael was hauled away into slavery uh, by the Assyrians, and then uh, Yehuda was, uh, was savagely hauled into slavery by the Babylonians. Uh, and while the nation is called Yisrael, Israel today, um, the, the Yisraelites themselves um, uh, have been separated from the land for a very long time, and they've been separated from one another. Uh, Yisrael and Yehuda were at war with each other. The, the Dode reconciled the relationship, defended the people, established the country. 
uh, and uh, and from that time it has really been uh, a a very fast trip downhill. So God says that uh, this day is about reconciliation of that relationship and of reconciling the relationship with him. Um, then he says that on this day, he's going to reaffirm, he's going to reestablish his Bereth covenant. Bereth is always singular. It is a family-oriented relationship. And God says he's going to reestablish uh, that relationship on this day. Uh, Kodesh is the term that he uses, and it does not mean that he is going to um, create a new covenant. It doesn't say that at all. He's going to reaffirm the covenant, restore the covenant. And this becomes particularly uh, evident because he says that affirmation of the covenant on this day, on, on Yom Kippurim, isn't going to be identical to the affirmation of the covenant with uh, Abraham and the forefathers. And the reason is that up to this point, Yahweh had to uh, have the Torah, his guidance, be something that we could choose to accept and observe or ignore. Mm-hmm. The covenant has to would have been up to this point something we could choose to participate in or reject. Yahweh up to this point has been a name and a God that we could choose to embrace and celebrate, disassociate with. But that is no longer the case. At this point, a hundred percent of those who will be reconciled on Yom Kippurim are going to be family, eternally part of the covenant. So God says that that the strong hand that he used to withdraw the children of Israel from Egypt is not the way that he's going to approach Yom Kippurim. During the Exodus, the Yatza from Egypt, children of Israel didn't know Yahweh. Well, they saw the fiery light, they heard his voice, they saw the miracles that he performed, but they didn't know it. And quite frankly, they were irascible. And so God said, you know, I made a promise to Abraham, I'm going to liberate them from here, plus the fact I'm going to reveal myself to this group of people. We're going to go through this entire process together. And so I have to drag them, kicking and screaming, back to Israel. And so he said, I did it with a firm hand. I didn't give him any option at this point. I had to do what I had to do. Otherwise, it would have been over. There would have, there would have been no Israel. So mm-hmm. that was with a firm hand. At this point now, he's just dad. He is father. Uh, Dode is brother. We're family. You don't use a firm hand anymore. And... Now the Torah doesn't have to be this thing that's out there that you can choose to accept or reject. God now can literally incorporate his teaching and guidance into the very fabric of our lives so that as we grow between three, four, five, six, and seven dimensions, we can handle what we're going to experience. I'm going to tell you that if you were to take us the way we are into the fourth dimension, we wouldn't survive for a nanosecond. It would be so, the options would be so great 
the the whole fathom of an, of this dimension would be so astounding. The noise, the energy, all of it would be would fry our brains. We we could not survive it for a second. And so God has to give us the kind of guidance that says this is how you deal with the fourth dimension. This is how you can expand a moment to to a million years. You can uh, you can contract a million years down to a moment. You can travel from one side of the universe to the other in no time. These are marvelous things. You can transform some of your spiritual energy into a physical existence when you want to feel the warmth of, uh, of, a, of a sun, of some star on your face, to, to walk in a stream, to sing a song, to enjoy a good meal, to f- express time and, and a, a linear flow. And then you can transform yourself back into energy, E equals mz squared, and have all of the advantages uh, that it provides. So uh, God, to, for us to be able to handle that, has to be able to imbue his guidance inside of us so that we're capable of expressing free will in a way that's not harmful to ourselves and others, and so that we can get the most out of the opportunities we'll be given. So at this time, he can do what he couldn't do back then. First of all, there is no firm hand. Now, it's only a cop, a loving hand. And second, the Torah is no longer something that we can choose to accept or reject because we've all accepted it. We want it and, and everything it offers to be part of our lives. And it's going to be a very different Torah. And the reason it'll be very different is the Torah as it currently exists has lots of very hurtful things in it. The waters of America, building the uh, uh, the golden calf uh, right after Yahweh uh, liberates them from Egypt, uh, even the slavery in uh, in Egypt. Uh, there's a lot of sad stories uh, in, in it, and we don't want to be reminiscing of the heartache that that we have caused our God. And you're not going to need to uh, to have this warning that says, you know, if you don't uh, pay attention to what I'm offering here on Yom Kippurim, then you're severed. Because at this point, we're all family. We'll be family forever. So what God has right. to offer us by way of Torah, teaching, guidance, instruction, directions, is how we make the most of our lives together in eternity. So we will be a um, same God, same relationship, um, same truths. But now it's all positive, very different kind of communication. And he makes it very clear. He says that once we do that, then there's not going to be any corruption going forward. Uh, This is going to be uh, a return to Eden, where we come back to the Garden of Great Joy, and we enjoy being together, camping out with our Father. That is what this day represents. And me up. Yep. Sign me up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I accepted the uh, invitation and and uh, extending one to all who are listening. Um, first to uh, Yisrael, uh, to Yehudim, but also to Goyim who want to be part of God's family. Um, it is the ultimate offer. 
God is asking very little of us in return. There are five conditions of the covenant, uh, all of which are benefits to us. There are five benefits of the covenant. And there are seven Moed Mikre, each of which are important for us to observe, to celebrate, to capitalize upon. Uh, and uh, there is none of them that is called Rosh Hashanah. There is none of them that is called Purim. There's none of them that is called a high holy day. There's none of them that is designed for affliction. There is, uh, uh, you know, it's a, a very clear presentation of, of Pesach as part of Chag Matzah. Pesach is one day. Matzah is seven. So it's, it's understanding what God is offering through the seven Moed Mikre. Each of the seven Moed provide a particular um, benefit. They're all fulfilled by Dod. So it's celebrating what the Son of God has provided for us, capitalizing on it, um, attending those invitations uh, while accepting the terms and conditions of the covenant, celebrating Yahweh's name, uh, and that's what brings us home. Lovely. So that is God's story. Yeah. That is Kaporim. Um I think next week we'll uh, we'll talk about Sukkah. It will uh, have. Uh, um, well, I guess it will be uh, uh, as we celebrate uh, our sh- our show next week. Um, so it's a wonderful time for us to talk about what Sukkah means, but. Uh, as a teaser for that event, um, God's story comes full circle. His relationship with humankind begins in the garden of great joy, Gani It's Sukkah is a harbinger of us returning to that idyllic state. The earth is going to be transformed in the conditions we that are presented having taken place in Eden. No religion, no politics, no caste economic schemes, no strangers, uh, direct personal relationship uh, with Yahweh, uh, the opportunity to live in in a joyous, perfect state. No corruption, no pollution, uh, no aggravation of any kind, and yet total and complete communication and excitement. So Sukha is about returning to Ganidan. It's just that now the garden, well, it's enormous. It's not only initially the entire land of Israel and then the entire planet Earth and then this entire solar system, uh, our entire galaxy, and then the universe um, wow. becomes our Eden. So that's what God's offering. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, I Sign agree. Me Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up. And, uh, between, you know, and, and uh, understand that we are, on this day, 10 years exactly uh, from wow. uh, this occurring. So there is Maybe. a lot that's going to happen over these uh, next uh, 10 years. Um, and a lot of it's not going to be fun. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, 10 years to the day is going to be the ultimate celebration of life. Um, yeah. We have the opportunity to watch Yahweh return with Dode and celebrate um, our family relationship forevermore. 
Well, thank you. Uh, Good night, everyone. Happy uh, Shabbat. Look forward to being with you uh, next week as we celebrate uh, Sukkah and continue to talk about our relationship with the Iowa. And good night. Good night, y'all. Good night, Kirk. Good night, Dundee.